Hello and welcome to another installment of the Why Football podcast with me, Michael Dryden and Eches Adokru. Today we'll be talking all about Mike Ashley, how he made his fortune, his acquisition of Newcastle United and what's gone wrong for the North East club since. Before we start, please follow us on Twitter at YFootball underscore and subscribe with us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Earcast, and YouTube. Hello Eches, how are you this morning? Yeah, good, thanks. Got the FA Cup. Is it fourth round, fifth round? No, fourth round against Southampton in just under yeah. an hour, which should be really good. Aside from that, not much to report, really. I think um, one of the problems with lockdown is <laughs> no one's doing anything. So, like, you constantly ask, oh, what are you up to? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I went for a run. It's like, oh, yeah, fantastic. Or another common one on work calls is, um, oh, I just slept in all weekend. It's like, right. <laughs> The worst one is when someone's told you they've actually done quite a lot. It's actually well, <laughs> it's making me what? feel ten yeah. times worse. You know what though? What do people do? They don't do anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Um, yeah. So last night we had the uh, Chorley got beat by Wolves Friday night fixture in the FA Cup, which was a shame. Um, but there's some good FA Cup fixtures this week. So yeah, let's move on because, as you said, there's absolutely nothing happening. So, <laughs> <laughs> so to start off with, it is why this episode. Um, in short, Newcastle just haven't been very good this season. I think that's quite obvious. They're quite, I think they're six, seven points off relegation, but you know, they've been on quite a bad spell. Um, they had a terrible game against Arsenal recently yep. and have done lately. And, you know, it, it's Newcastle, one of those clubs that in the, you know, ages ago when I was a little kid, they were top contenders and top four regulars under Sir Bobby and Keegan. But they've been miles off that pace since, apart from one or two seasons. And I think Newcastle are one of those teams where catchphrases get thrown around, describing how big a club they are, huge fan base, big stadium, history, etc., etc. You know, broke the world record for you to sign Shearer. But you yeah. know, when you look at it from a performance point of view, they're very mid-table. Like since they came fifth under the Pardew, um about a decade or so ago now and since then they finished 16th 10th 18th first in the championship because it got relegated 10th 13th and 13th and you know that you know that that is just not <laughs> like yeah. top, I mean, that's what two top table finishes and that's literally 10th and it's just not inspiring at all you know there's multiple reasons for that but if you listen to the news media yourself and the bulk of Newcastle fans, it tends to point to the ownership as the main issue. So I kind of wanted to do a poll on the man himself, Mike Ashley, Newcastle's number one enemy, and the current state of affairs at the club. Yeah, the common denominator since that period where, you know, so Bobby, so Bobby was not uh, sacked by uh, Ashley, that was before him, but the common denominator since that period um, has been Mike Ashley. I mean, I just like to point out, I am a Sunderland fan. This will not affect my analysis of this topic. <laughs> I do actually sympathise with Newcastle United fans. They will have seen how their neighbours Sunderland up the road have fallen sharply from the Premier League and how that could happen to pretty much any club. So, you know, no one wants to see their club be mishandled because they could f- fall to the same fate. Yeah, that was all a lie though, really, wasn't it? We just said there. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> no, no, I do. It's... it's... I do sympathise to an extent because you can have short-term success on the pitch like they had with the French Revolution under Pardew, Kabai coming in. But in the long term, if the ownership structure isn't right, the club will suffer. We found that at Arsenal. <laughs> I, think, I think we should move on. I thought I'd just get that in there. So, <laughs> to kick off, Eches, who is Mike Ashley? 
Very good question. Uh, so Mike Ashley was born in Walsall, Staffordshire, attending a school in Buckinghamshire. And this is my favourite fact about him. So after leaving school at 16, apparently, he was a county-level squash player. But after injury, he became... <laughs> <laughs> well, after injury, he became a county-level squash coach. Uh, that's, I don't believe it. So we can just end the episode if you want. But um... I checked the source of that one because <laughs> I just like I just can't really picture Mike Ashley county level squash coach. But then you know Sports Direct. Like I'm going to go into a few more details about it. it, it you know, it kind of ties in. So maybe... yeah, you'd like yeah, you'd think anyone who owns a sporting franchise would have some form of sporting background. And to be honest with you, I didn't expect Ashley to be like a hundred meter sprinter. Or something like that. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, no, no, I, did, I didn't. Uh, so back in 1982, Ashley opened his first sport and ski shop in Maidenhead, uh, followed by others around London. The chain expanded quickly, funded by private money, and he grew and grew and grew into sports uh, soccer, which later became Sports Direct. And yep. they have uh, now over 400 stores in the UK, employing 20,000 people. That was before COVID, before someone starts jumping in and telling me that that's wrong. Um, but that's a pre-COVID figure. Yeah, I think we're all aware of his massive empire, and he's yeah. often been found uh, in front of the tri- of some form of tribunal answering questions, largely around zero-hour contracts. I think he's been in front of a couple of panels on that front, and people have just a suspicion that he is using those contracts just to kind of min- minimise his salary spend for his for his workforce. Uh, yeah, I don't want to cast too many expressions, but is seen in the public as a shady guy. That's just Let's just put it that way. So how did he get involved with Newcastle? Yeah, so back in 2007, Mike Ashley bought a 41.6% holding in the club, launching a £135 million bid takeover. Uh, that actual 41% was bought by St. James Holding Limited, which the company specifically set up to buy shares in Newcastle. And they paid uh, the previous owner, Sir John Hall and his family, a £55 million for that stake. Ashley at the time said, I am delighted to have this opportunity to invest in Newcastle United. Uh, he said that, you know, Ashley, who made his fortune from Sports Direct, uh, then went on to say, the club has fantastic infrastructure for which Sir John and the board must take much credit for. I am pleased that Sir John has agreed to remain as a life president of the club. Mm-hmm. So obviously everyone's happy back then. You're seeing this uh, billionaire come into the club. You know, Sir John, who was seen as a very important person in the club, was happy. Who Who's going to lose, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I think we all know he's going to lose. And I mean, the Rangers have also lost out in that period under uh, Ashley as well. They felt the uh, the hard kind of, well, the kind of the negative aspects of, it, of an Ashley kind of influence in their club. Um, but John John Hall uh, was actually born in Ashington in Northumberland and the son of a miner. So interesting rise uh, for him and was in, his company was instrumental in the Metro Centre Shopping Centre, which makes means absolutely nothing to UHS, but it used to be one of the largest of its kind in Europe and is the biggest one in the region. So just a little fun fact there for UHS. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> that was, I was thinking, I was like, where's it going with this? Like... Well, actually, to be honest, I did that little bit of research before this podcast and it was interesting to me because I'm from the region. But uh, yeah, oh, you're, from, I, you're, from, you're from the northeast, are you? Yeah. Wouldn't have <laughs> mate. Wouldn't have guessed at all. Okay, uh, so so yeah. why, why is it all gone wrong for Ashley at Newcastle? It's one of those things where I think quite a few issues have dogged Newcastle. Uh, and, you know, one of the mistakes Ashley's made is his continuously failed attempts to sell. I think people often sell clubs when there's fan unrest. Uh, yeah. Not always. Sometimes they do it to make profit, etc. But, you know, when there's fan unrest, 
you know, the fans get their way, you're selling, you know, everyone wins, you get your money and you leave and the fans are happier or, you know, can at least dream of a new ownership and how it will take them forward. But the problem with Ashley is, you know, he's tried to do that a few times and it's not worked. Back in 2008, he put up the club for sale after the sacking from Kevin Keegan led to intense protests. Mm. Ashley said at the time, I'm now a dad who can't take his kids to a football game because I'm advised that we would be assaulted. I am no longer prepared to subsidise Newcastle. Uh, and he said that he was under too much pressure ever since Kevin Keegan decided to quit. But after floating the club for three months, he decided to retract uh, its for sale sign, reiterating that he's a big supporter of the club and wants to help drive the team forward. He also pointed out that he'd invested around 200 million to cl- uh, service the club's debt and into the playing squad. So it was kind of this new, uh, this this new point where it's like, okay, you're upset, but. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to push you forward and then we're going to try and make uh, make this work out. Yeah, the problem is when you lose the the, um, the faith of the fan base, it probably takes away a lot of uh, the kind of, if any if any football owner still retains enjoyment and the kind of fun, idealistic element of owning a football club that we all think, oh God, if I won the lottery, I'd buy a football club. It'd be brilliant. You lose that as soon as the fans start calling for you to leave. It becomes a business and football as a business is just, so risk heavy that it doesn't often make sense uh, to stay with it. I mean, Keegan was replaced in 2008 by Chris Hutton on an interim basis. Hutton actually, including his, his stint as actual manager, was was in charge on three separate occasions, which just shows how much over that period um, the managership changed hands. We then had Joe Kinnear after Chris Hutton's first stint. I don't know if you remember this, Eches, but he famously misquoted Charles and Zogbia um, in a post-match press conference calling him Charles Insomnia. Uh, so on this on this point, so Charles and W was really um, upset about that, apparently. Wasn't happy at all. Probably it's not because of the actual word used. He's clearly got, he's clearly under pressure in a press conference. Got nervous. He's made an awkward comment. But <laughs> it, I just, I just think it's some, it's, I don't know, it's, it's quite an easy mistake to make in a press conference. It probably reflects how Joe Kinnear is as a person, reflects how he lacked confidence, how he was under such pressure. But I did think it was a bit harsh for Inzogby to kick off. Perhaps it's just an excuse to try and force his way out the club at the time. Yeah, um, probably, probably was, but yeah, Insomnia's a bit, a bit mad. <laughs> yeah, it's quite hard to defend that one. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and this, yeah, it was a time when Chris Hutton uh, managed the side on, on three separate occasions, the last being before the appointment of big Alan Pardew. And we all know how that turned out. We do indeed. I think actually as well, so it wasn't just him trying to sell the club then, he tried to sell it another time, which you're going to come on to. But he didn't help himself when in 2014 he claimed he regretted buying the club. But said, that, <laughs> but said that Newcastle fans have him and he has Newcastle fans. They have to make it work, which is literally just not what you want to hear at all from your yeah. owner. And then came across the more recent Saudi deal, which was quite interesting because it all seems set to happen. I remember that was around a time where you were quite... Um, you, you were down in the dumps, a bit depressed because uh, he, Sunderland were languishing. And then, were you in the championship then or were you in League One? I think you were already in League One. You're in League One. You're in League One. Yeah, you're a League One club. And, um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, that deal was, was set to happen. You heard rumours of Pochettino coming in on like 20 million a year and, <laughs> and how they were going to sign Isco and all these people. But the deal unfortunately broke down due to politics. Apparently, the consortium believed that the pressure exerted in the Premier League from the likes of Amnesty International, as well as the BIN Sports, all kind of played into a fact there. Because obviously, Saudi Arabia had the issue with that Turkish journalist. Um, 
who got killed in uh, their own country or in, in Saudi Arabia. And that was quite a bad stain on the country globally. I think people like Richard Branston pulled out from deals with the country, etc. So I think that kind of reflected poorly on them. Uh, Saudi also had issues with UEFA for promoting a piracy company, which was basically showing European games for free. So they weren't happy with the deal either and as well as the influence from the Middle East in the Premier League was also frowned upon generally so that's what the consortium believe the deal uh, was held up and ultimately it went away. Mm, yeah recently we've had actually a, a reigniting of, of uh, speculation um, that the Saudi Arabian investment fund might come back to this uh, Newcastle United takeover now there's not really much concrete link there um, but there's been talk of easing tensions between Qatar and Saudi Arabia and reports that uh, being sports is now going to be permitted in Saudi Arabia. Now, this is a big factor in a potential um, Saudi investment in the Premier League and Newcastle United because being sports have a deal with the Premier League to show uh, Premier League uh, football in Qatar and, well, in the Middle East. So this has been touted in the press as a potential Potentially something that could come up that could remove the stumbling blocks for potential uh, takeover. But as you mentioned, the the pressure from the likes of Amnesty International, the World Trade Organization, uh, all the you know this, the, the fiasco around the murdered journalists, uh, all the uh, tension there. It's po- probably gone too far now, I think, for that to happen. But we'll see. We'll see with this latest development. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens. I think if the finance did come in from a Saudi-backed fund, yeah, I can't imagine Sunderland fans would be too happy about that one. So have to wait and see. No, uh, over the moon, over the moon. <laughs> actually, yeah, it'd be great. I mean, yeah, we've uh, yeah we've got no money. We're, we've got a salary cap. Um, we're in League One, but yeah, just yeah, biggest rivals get <laughs> become the richest club in the world. Brilliant. Uh, another thing which has dogged Ashley's reign and Newcastle and held them back over the years has been the manager of sacking slash appointments. Mm. I think Ashley's one of those guys where Newcastle probably hired, I think, since he's taken over, one inspiring manager to really drive them forward. And I thought that was Rafa Benitez. And in the end, yeah. he left, which you'll come on to. But there's been too many appointments which have been unpopular, which isn't uncommon at football clubs. A really good example is Nigel Adkins at Southampton. He was sacked and they were 13th in the league. When they just came up, they sacked him for Pochettino. You know, so fans are unhappy then, and then Pochettino was brilliant. So it's not, yeah. it's not it's not a marker to say, you know, if you make unpopular decisions, that it's always bad. But it's just too often with Newcastle those disappointing, uh, there's disappointing appointments have just not been very good. Uh, namely, Joe Kinnear and John Carver. John Carver was shambolic. He actually, <laughs> he, he was the guy who went and said, if I had eleven Jack Colbacks, we'd win every game. No, you wouldn't. Oh, <laughs> One that's so disrespectful to your side, and you just wouldn't. So no, you... <laughs> that's, that's the other problem. Like if he said, "Oh, if I had eleven Kylian Mbappes," I'd be like, "Right, okay, fine." Jack Colback. Yeah, but even then, you're eleven. You're, Mbappe can't play in goal. <laughs> he can't play. <laughs> Yeah, it was a wild comment. You know, there were two unpopular decisions that he made during his time. You know, director of football appointments like Dennis Wise is also not very good. And even yeah, things yeah. like bringing Shearer back for 10 games and 
generally his treatment of Shearer has been quite poor um, in, you know, in involving him with the club. I do think bringing him back as manager for 10 games was so poor. He's never mm-hmm. coached his life. You were trying to stay up in the league. He has no experience whatsoever and he got relegated. It wasn't his fault. They had a poor season, but it's just, it was, it was just useless. Then they had the chance to potentially move Shearer elsewhere in the club, you know, having behind the scenes. They didn't do that. And often when Shearer discusses Newcastle, he doesn't, um, about, he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't speak about Ashley in a very fond light, and I can see why. Then on the flip side, you've got um, more popular uh, characters in the club, like Chris Hutton, who got them back up, and he was sacked. Um, you know that led to Alan Pardew, to be fair, who led them to fifth place finish. Yeah. But then Newcastle dropped the ball by giving him an eight-year contract. <laughs> only there's only two players in history I've known to have got contracts even that long. One, I think, was Danielson at Real Betis, uh, the Brazilian from, I think, the 1994 World Cup winning team. I'm not too sure about that fact. But the second one is Anarchy. <laughs> then the second one's Anarchy Williams. And I know Anarchy Williams, I, I, I believe, has a 10-year contract. What? Yeah. Oh, wow. Wait, hold on. Yeah, Anarchy Williams. I'm almost certain he does. Uh, Anarchy Williams contract. Yeah, I, th- yeah, I think it's like 10 years. Uh, nine years. Just Google that. Wow. Actually. He's got a nine-year <laughs> contract. Yeah, what? nine-year contract. Yep. Yeah, because Sunderland, Sunderland gave uh, Wes Brown and John O'Shea both a six-year contract when they signed for Man United. At the time, it was seen as a coup. And I mean, one of the reasons we got them was because of that length. But then they were still at the club. Well, John O'Shea was when we ended up in League One. So shows how well that particular venture went. Yeah, but Sunderland are really good in the transfer market. They always make really good deals. So <laughs> yeah. uh, I think that just, that, that's no surprise that they did that deal. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and also, yeah, the Nielsen did also have a ten-year contract as well. Thank you, Google. So yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, they gave him an eight-year contract, which obviously was a huge mistake. Ended up in him leaving, and just general tears all rounds. I mean, the severance from that must have been mad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then came another glaring manager issue with the departure of Rafa Benitez for Steve Bruce. Rafa claims he left due to there being no trust in the board, and he was said to be frustrated at the lack of investment in the team academy and facilities, which is a shame because he did so well. I remember they beat Tottenham when they got relegated because Rafa came at the end of the season and they beat Tottenham, I think, 5-1 on the final day. And, you know, the fans are begging him to stay and he stayed. And I thought he really risked his reputation going to the championship. I know they spent a lot of money to get back up, but he really risked his reputation there because, you know, he's a Champions League winner, coached Real Madrid, coached Inter Milan, coached Liverpool, coached Valencia, won the league there. And for him to go down to the championship was a big, big risk. Did really well. And when the club needed to back him in the summer, they failed to do so. And he left. And, you know, Steve Bruce is a great character. I think he's a nice guy. But, you know, strictly speaking, he's a firefighter manager who isn't anywhere near the quality of Rafa Benitez. And that must be so frustrating for Newcastle fans to consistently see the right men leaving and the wrong men kind of appointed. And that's why they're just constantly where they are, which is mid to lower table in the Premier League. Yeah, well, there was there was a period, or that period you mentioned of, of Pardew, when Newcastle actually seemed like one of the more progressive clubs, not because of what they do behind the scenes in terms of infrastructure, data, trading facilities, all that stuff. And there's talk and people I know, fans that I know from the region, who say that the trading facilities have been neglected. But in that Pardew era, at Newcastle, raided Liga 1. So they went to Liga 1, they picked out Denver Bar, they got Papa Cisse, they got Johan Kabai, Ben Arthur. There was a there was a period where they had all those players, plus more, Johan Gofran, the lot, and they actually were a force. They finished fifth. I, remember, I don't know if you remember that Ben Arthur goal against Everton, it's James's Park, where he flicked it around the corner 
and then basically took on two or three players from the halfway line scoring. I mean, that was a season where Newcastle looked like they were one of the, the clubs that were going to break into that top six. And now they've languished since then they've been relegated. And it's, yeah, it's just, it's just mad how it's fallen. I mean, Faith and Bruce has now reached rock bottom. Um, I defended Bruce for a lot of the season because they actually picked up results at times. Mm. But a lot of fans that I know talked about the football as being dire. I mean, it was last season. They would they sit with a back five against teams away in particular and they would break with the likes of Sat Maximo and Almiron um, just with a handful of players trying to basically smash and grab every game. Uh, and this season they've done that to relative success as well. But where it's came unstuck and where I've started to really side with, with those Newcastle United fans that I know around Bruce is, you know, going to Brentford and uh, apparently, allegedly, they played with no attacking intent. They lost that game in the FA Cup uh, League Cup quarterfinals. They then went to Sheffield United and were the only team to be beaten by them in the league and, again, didn't have much of a go at trying to win that game. And, you know, I, I, that for me is just, it's scandalous. Really. That's two games, very close succession that you need to really be attacking and going for. And I mean, we're recording this now on 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 Saturday. Uh, Newcastle face Villa tonight, uh, and they play Leeds on Tuesday. These are two games where if they get two defeats, you could be, you know, Newcastle could be tracked into relegation uh, scrap, and Bruce could be staring um, sacking uh, right in the face. Yeah, I think the worry though is um, time. So it's the twenty third of January. If they get a new manager in now, this talk of Eddie Howe has also been linked to yeah. the Palace, but then he got relegated. So is he going to be really good for a relegation fight or would he be better off in the summer? So it's it's tricky for those clubs at the bottom because who do you kind of hire now? You, you We always laugh at Big Sam's, but they can well normally guarantee you that they're going to stay up. Eddie Howe was potentially the longer term appointment, but then I think Newcastle may as well just wait to their fate sealed and try and get someone that came in the summer. But, you know, managers of Eddie Howe's calibre, I'd assume, would be hoping for a Premier League appointment. So it remains to be seen what they do there. I think another issue that um, Newcastle had is just a lack of spending until fairly recent and ambition. I think whenever I look at Newcastle, I struggle to see the ambition in their recruitment, which says they mean business. So recently yeah. I've seen that. I mean, Jamal Lewis from Norwich was a good acquisition. Callum Wilson, yeah. uh, Ryan Frazier as well, good players. Uh, but then you see Joe Linton, who was signing Almiron. <laughs> All of those players in the last two years. And, you know, we're talking about Newcastle from the beginning of Ashley's reign. And that's the problem, right? Where we're seeing too many of these signings coming now, almost as if it's a realization. And it was a big criticism with Benitez. Only Almiron was signed when Benitez was there. And that was in the final six months of his contract. And even someone like Jolington, you know, has been a disappointment so far as their record signing. And before that was Michael Owen, which is back in 2005. Yeah. And even Jolington, we could look at it. So Jolington was signed at the time because they actually let go of Rondon. Uh, and Rondon was doing very well for them. And, yeah. you know, it would have just made more sense to sign Rondon full-time, keep Rafa Benitez and not bother spending £40 million on Jolington. Instead, they've done that now and he hasn't really delivered the goals that they need. Some say he's more of a wide man or a wide target man than a striker and it's just not really worked yeah. out. <laughs> he lacks that mobility though. I watch him play. He's, I mean, he's a big lad and I think people expect him to be able to hold the ball up. And he did used to play on the wide in wide areas, so it makes you think. Well, if he, you know, he's not suited to that striker role, but he doesn't seem to have the physical attributes to be a, a wide man either. It's a strange one, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. It's just it's just confusing because if a, if if a club breaks a record transfer, people are really happy. 
but is it the right player is the question. And I think mm. all Newcastle had to do was sign Rondon, keep Benitez, it would have been fine. They broke the transfer record, everyone's happy, but it seems to be the wrong player. Um, and I think that's been Newcastle's problem is that ambition in terms of spending has come quite recently and hasn't been consistent enough over time. I think there is a point here to be made, which is Premier League clubs get sucked into just spending for the sake of spending. And I'm not trying to say that Newcastle should try and push the belt and spend £200 million every summer. Yeah, It's about spending on the right players. And I think too long for too consistently, Newcastle haven't done that. A club like Everton are a good example where spending excessively has taken ages to get right. You know, suddenly now with the core and Alan Hammers, they look like a really good team. But, you know, the signings before, Gilfie Sigurdsson, even Michael Keane, you could throw in there, even maybe Pickford a little bit, didn't drive them on as much as they originally expected to. And it took a bit yeah. of time for that to work. Uh, the flip side is, is to have a really good academy approach and make really shrewd investments. The problem with Newcastle is I don't really see what they're doing either way. Are they trying to sign the established stars and get really good now? Are they trying to really develop and put some into the academy? I know they've got the Longstaff brothers, but you know I don't, yeah. I don't really see them as a Southampton where it's a conveyor belt about talent all the time or a yeah. Leicester. It seems as if they're just kind of stuck in between. And then when we talk about ambition, you know, Steve Bruce is a good character, but what ambition does it show if you're going from a Champions League winner to someone who I said earlier is just a firefighter, really? Yeah, I mean, Bruce, I think Bruce uh, suits Mike Ashley, really, because if you're trying to sell a football club, you want to, you obviously want that club to do well because you're trying to attract the best value for that club. So if Newcastle get relegated, for example, Ashley will get less for the club, which means he'll make less of a profit, etc. So he obviously wants him to do well in the short term. But, you know, you don't want to spend too much because <laughs> you're eating into your own profits when you do sell the club. So Bruce fits that bill because he's arguably cheap. He'll work with, he'll work, he's from the region. He'll work as Newcastle United manager without a massive war chest. I know they got, you know, Joe Lindemann signed for big, big money. Um, but on the whole, hasn't had a lot of funds uh to spend. So Bruce will happily basically do that job. He'll keep them. It's a good chance he'll keep them in the Premier League. There's a good chance next season if he stuck with them, he'll keep them in the Premier League. Fans would still be unhappy because he's playing what we've all seen is quite uh, unattractive football. Um, but it suits Ashley into that sale because eventually when that sale does go through, if they are still a Premier League club, then he'll get that 300 plus million that he's been after from, well, hopefully for Newcastle United fans anyway, the Saudi Investment Fund uh, or any other suitors. I mean, Amanda Staveley was is involved in that deal and was involved in another deal as well. And it seems like it's been so long since Ashley took over and there's been so many takeover deals mooted. Um, I, I think it's going to happen eventually. Um, and only then do I think that, you know, Newcastle United fans will start to see progression in their, in their football club. I mean, it was the same at Sunderland when, when a manager, when I, sorry, when an owner wants to leave, wants to sell, I mean, we're just going through a takeover now. You can't expect long-term results because you're not going to get investment in the club. You're not going to. Mike Ashley's not going to spend millions on the training facilities, millions on the team, uh, millions on infrastructure and data when he's trying to sell the club. Because although that might result in a bigger value, you know, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not um, guaranteed. And if they get relegated, <laughs> all that will go to waste. No, so, you're not. You're not wrong at all. I think. Yeah, they're in a precarious position at the moment. I think as well, there are a few other points as well, which I wanted to quickly fire off, which was renaming the stadium, Sports Direct Arena. What was he doing there? <laughs> What's he there doing? Was, yeah, so there, was a, there was a group of fans that uh, staged like a, a mock uh, funeral outside of St. James's Park, uh, dressed up in like old church gear and had like a coffin and stuff. And you know, as a Southern fan, that's obviously amusing to see uh, your rival in, 
in chaos like that. But yeah, what is he doing? Yeah, absolutely madness. Kind of to finish it off, it's just kind of like, where should Newcastle be? And there, there's a massive debate over big clubs feeling entitled. You know, comments like, for example, Leeds, when they were languishing in mid-table of the championship, they were like, oh, they're a prem club, they should be in the Premier League. Like, what's it based on? Yeah, I think no, in football, too too often in football, we look fondly on the past and must analyze the present much much better. You know, Newcastle are a mid-table team. You know, every every team has a brilliant set of fans. You know, people say, oh, they've got a great fan base. Yeah, you know, every team has good fans, whether it's ten thousand at like Wickham or whether it's fifty thousand at Newcastle. But currently, you know, they're struggling with a disinterested owner. And yeah, yeah. the fans deserve more. That's another comment. You know, they're like, oh, they deserve more. You know, every fan deserves more if their team isn't doing well. But it's tricky to then just say because of their stadium, because of their history, because of their fan base, they should be higher in the league. You know, it, it's tricky to pinpoint where they should be because there's so much competition around. You know, one thing I do sympathize Newcastle fans over is they probably, a lot of them probably aren't saying they want to be title contenders, but they just want to see progress. And, yeah. I, think, and I think for too long at Newcastle, they just ha- it hasn't been obvious to the naked eye and that's where they are where they are and, and it's quite unfortunate because you know if they start coming eighth consistently i think a lot of newcastle fans would look at the team and think you know that's a lot better because too many seasons they are in the relegation scrap maybe they come out of it by february or march but they are often lurking around in that, that, yeah, yeah. that bit at the table i think relegation this year is a real possibility which would be disappointing but the bottom line is ashley wants out the fans want him out and I think until that happens they'll be stuck in this rut of going down coming first to the championship going down coming first to the championship mid-table 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 and I think they just need to kind of break free from that cycle yeah I think one thing having and I I completely agree with what you say there and you know people call Sunderland a big club for example and one thing it does give you having a specific stadium good facilities big fan base it, it means that you've, you're on kind of a pedestal already to potentially progress to that level or you can jump to a level quicker, but you're not currently a big club. You've got the potential to be what is arguably a big club because you already have that infrastructure in place. But in theory, what really makes a club big now is their brand and their commercial revenue because <laughs> the, the the economics that are involved now in the Premier League completely dwarf match day revenues. It doesn't matter how many, to an extent, it doesn't matter how many fans you get through the door. I know Arsenal have a big chunk of their uh, revenue comes from from, se- from season tickets, from, from match day. They've got a big stadium. They also charge a lot, which is a different yeah. topic. Um, but that's not where the big money spinner is now. It's in being in the Premier League. It's about having a brand that has access in different markets overseas. Um, so, yeah, I, I completely, completely agree um, on that point. Yeah, no, I think it's just, one, it's, you know, it remains to be seen what kind of happens to Newcastle. Um, unfortunately, I think it's going to end in tears, but hopefully Ashley can sell up and the club can finally move forward. Yeah, but I think when they see club like a club like Leicester as well, that was a point I was about to make, a club like Leicester have just invested so smartly in their club behind the scenes. And I've made this point on so many podcasts, but they've... They've invested in data, they've invested in the infrastructure, they've invested in youth. And I think for someone like Newcastle, it is frustrating to probably see, even Sunderland, because they, we were in the Premier League when Leicester got uh, promoted, to see a club like Leicester be where they are now, and they deserve to be where they are now. And they aren't just there as a fluke. They've built the infrastructure and have the data behind them and have grown to a level now where they can actually sustain that, in my opinion. Right, well, that's all from us this week. Etches, thank you so much for that insight on Mike Ashley and Newcastle. United, um, as I said, I do sympathise with Newcastle fans to to a certain degree. Um, but thank you, Etches, and 
yeah, guys, we'll, we'll see you next week. Brilliant. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Well, Arsenal are about to get off as well, so yeah, about to catch Arsenal are about to go. Yeah, oh, nice. Need to show off, mate. <laughs> see you guys. <laughs>